TCL is a proud sponsor of the 1500 ESPN Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. This is information not being reported by anyone else. You want the scoop? Here it is with Darren Doogie Wolfson. In terms of material, the Wolves are the gift that keeps on giving. Lots to get to, lots to dissect here on Scoop Podcast episode 194. Let's get right to ESPN's Bobby Marks, former longtime executive with the Nets. Bobby, let's just start with your general thoughts. Was your thought process all along on Tom Thibodeau that it was a matter of when, not if, he would get fired? Uh, Yes. But I didn't think it was going to be on a Sunday in early January after beating the Lakers by 20-plus points. I did not think that was when the timing was going to be. I thought it was, I thought it was probably more towards the end of the year, if, especially if Minnesota did not make the playoffs. That you know he would have probably been a casualty that that Thursday, you know, after the season had ended. So not surprised that he was let go, but more surprised about I guess the, the timing of everything. The more we hear, Bobby, it sounds like the business side had a lot to do with this. I mean, from your days with the Nets, do you recall, you know, right after the first of, you know, whatever year you want to choose, that this is a busy time for the business side in terms of season ticket renewals, corporate sponsorship renewals, looking for new business? I mean, there is a sense that I can gather, Bobby, from the business side that they felt like as long as Tom Thibodeau was in charge, that they felt like, hey, there were a lot of fans that weren't going to renew their tickets, and there were some corporate sponsors that weren't going to renew. Well, I think that's, that was a big concern. You know, this, this Minnesota team, you know, one year removed from going to the playoffs, I, I saw that attendance, I guess, ranks 29th in the league Yes, um, this season. Um, you have, this is your busy time when you are sending out renewals. Uh, you're trying to have uh, sponsors re-up, um, and it's hard for you to go into a pitch meeting um, with, you know, I'm sure there was a lot of frustration on uh, how the Jimmy Butler situation was ha- handled, um, you know, to try to give, have somebody commit a lot of money to your, to your product. And I'm sure that was going to be the first thing, or if it already has been, you know, where, what's the direction of the organization with, uh, with Tom Thibodeau as the head coach? Is, is he in or is he out? And I think that's probably how some people were going to sway their decision as far as how, how they were going to spend either buying tickets or, or local or even national, national sponsorship. And, yeah, I think it is the rare, um, the rare occasion when the business side certainly had, um, certainly had an impact here. Um, you know, I was fortunate in, in New Jersey. The years we went to the finals, you know, Lou Lamorella, who's now in charge of the Islanders and longtime hockey executive sure, yeah. the Devils at the time, we, you know, we were all under one umbrella – um, you know, hockey, basketball, and even the Yankees, it was Yankee Nets then, were under, you know, under one umbrella. And, and, and Lou oversaw basketball operations. And the, a lot of the success we had was that he put such a divide up from the business side of things where we were really separated um, from, from, you know, uh, from the other end. And I, you know, I understand where Minnesota is right now, but I think you know, there is there is certainly a separation that you do need, but at the end of the day, what how you go out and pay your players and your staff is a correlation of TV revenue, ticket sales, sponsorship. So I, I I do think that both sides have to work hand in hand here, and certainly from what I've read and from what I've heard, there was there was a lot of frustration on on, on the business end here. 
It was almost unfair for anybody that was going to get this job full-time after the bar was raised in that regard so much by Flip Saunders. I mean, I don't know how well you knew Flip, but, I mean, Bobby, he was he was the ultimate people person. He could connect with anybody, the ultimate extrovert. I mean, he, with dual roles, had his fingerprints all over the business side. He embraced doing all that, and Tom Thibodeau was the complete opposite. Well, you're right, and it's and it's you know going back to my days with the Nets. It's you know we hired John Calipari in '96, coming out of UMass, and he was a terror for the business side. He could coach his tail off, but he was a he was a he was not a great people person as far as uh, for for basketball, yes, but from the business side, no. Um, there was a lot of separation here, and you can get away with it when you're winning games. You know, you can get away with it when you're winning 44, 45 games, and you can get into the playoffs. But when once you start to lose games, and certainly, and I read the um, the, the um, comments from ownership here, you know, when you're losing to Detroit and New Orleans without Anthony Davis and Phoenix there, then it kind of gives you that opening of that. If you are going to make a change, that you go ahead and do that. And we and we did that in '98, '99 uh, with Cal Perry, um, some, some um, uh, similar to what Minnesota did, where you know John Nash, who was the general manager, who Cal Perry hired, was retained. Um, Don Casey was named the interim coach, and that's how we kind of carried out business for the rest of the rest of the year here. So, um, and I and I think you know where Minnesota is right now is it will be interesting. You know they've got Oklahoma City coming up; that's their next game. <laughs> so that is not going to be an easy one. I always say when you when you fire the coach, make sure you've got like Chicago or Cleveland or, or Phoenix kind of waiting on the wings here, but. Um, it will be interesting the next four weeks what, what happens here. What happens with Scott Layden? How much power does Scott have to go out and do a, um, to make a deal if there's something that can make the team um, you know, better in the short term? I mean, I think, Bobby, you're using too much basketball logic, right? I mean, if this was driven from the business side, I mean, I don't have a sense that Scott Layden wanted anything to do with Tom Thibodeau getting fired. I mean, from a basketball standpoint, heck, you probably would have made the move after they lost last Wednesday in Boston on ESPN. You know, you would have made the move on Thursday morning, then allow Ryan to coach at home against Orlando, then the Lakers minus LeBron James, Rajon Rondo, and then it turns out Kyle Kuzma didn't play on Sunday either. So, I mean, from a basketball standpoint, that would have made sense. Let Ryan get his feet wet two home games. You're right. I mean, they play Oklahoma City on Tuesday night. Best of luck for that being your your debut game. But I'm just telling you, Bobby, I don't get the sense that, that basketball logic was used in this regard. No, I don't. I mean, even when we fired Avery Johnson in 2000, uh, right after Christmas in 2012, we had a, a Cleveland and a Charlotte team kind of waiting in the wings, and that was P.J. Carlissimo's first um, first two games. So uh, it was a soft landing spot, and you've got, you know, you've got, you know, with Oklahoma City coming up here, um, that that is not an easy one. That's not an easy one to kind of throw a 32 year old, um, you know, interim coach into the into the deep end here. So. Um, but as I said, it will be interesting as far as how these players. Usually, you get a honeymoon period when a coach gets fired, um, you know. Um, but usually, your team is, has lost five or six in a row. Yeah, usually it's not coming off two two wins here. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and without one of your better players and in, in, in Robert Covington, so um, it, it's kind of the um, it's not the typical head coach team struggling type uh, fire where, uh, as you said, a lot of it was probably was driven by um, by the business side. How do you view owner Glenn Taylor, Bobby, in this equation? I mean, let me phrase it this way. Was Glenn foolish, you know, two and a half years ago for thinking that Tom Thibodeau would change from his ways in Chicago? 
I, I think the only thing that, that Glenn Taylor would, would like to have a redo over, um, and I think Tibbs is a heck of a coach. I, I do. I, I think there, there is a chance. I know this would be, you know, this is job number two, and, you know, usually you don't go out and hire a guy for the third time. I think that the, the one thing that ownership would, would do would do over was giving the dual role here with having the head coach um, oversee, uh, you know, all basketball operations from the, the president uh, and general manager and being the sole decision maker here. Um, it, because, you know, I know a lot of people made the comparison. Yeah, well, worked in Miami with Pat Riley. Pat Riley's different. I mean, that's, a, that's, not the, the, that's not the norm here. I mean, look at Doc Rivers in L.A., look at uh, Stan Van Gundy in Detroit. Um, there are a lot of different situations where having that dual role it just doesn't work because you don't have enough time in the day. Does it work in the summer? Yeah, but when you're coaching day-to-day here, the last thing you're worried about is a community event that 15-year players have to go to or doing a season ticket holder benefit or doing something else. Um, so I think if you asked ownership um, you know, what he would, they would like yeah, do over two, two and a half years ago, I don't think it's about hiring Tom Thibodeau, but I think it's about giving him full full control here. Makes complete sense. You brought up Scott Layden briefly. I mean, how awkward do you think this situation now is for him? Because I'm telling you, Bobby, I'd be shocked if, if Scott was on board with firing his guy. I mean, the guy that brought him here in Tom Thibodeau. But, yeah, I mean, how does he navigate the next few weeks? I mean, they have some tradable assets. I mean, you think about next year. Does Taj Gibson resign? Okay, maybe not. So maybe they should trade Taj Gibson. Derrick Rose, I believe, has no trade rights, but maybe you could get him to waive those rights. Maybe some contender could use Derrick Rose. You know, you got some other guys with expiring contracts like Anthony Tolliver, but is Scott thinking more short-term, thinking the only way I can keep my job, and who knows, I mean, he might be dead man walking, but maybe the only way he's thinking that I can keep my job is if we get to the playoffs. So I'm not going to trade those assets. So how weird of a situation do you think this is for Scott Layden? Well, it is because it's not like, you know, it's, it's the rare situation. You know, usually the, the, head co- the general manager hires the head coach, um, and it's the general manager who was doing the firing. Although Scott was uh, in a room when, when, when Tibbs was let go, you know, uh, Scott is, is, was Tom's top lieutenant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, so, and that's why I said the next four weeks is going to be fascinating. You know, here is, you know, uh, you know Scott Layden now, you know, oversees basketball operations. Um, how much control or how much power does he have if this Minnesota team falls out of the playoff race um, when we get to February 7th to make a deal for Taj Gibson, to explore the trade market for Derrick Rose, who, has, as you said, he's got one-year bird restriction has power to veto. Uh, they've got some expiring contracts with Anthony Tolliver and Jared Bayless, players like that, that certainly, you know, certainly Tolliver would have some value to it. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, looking for a um, veteran stretch four that can, you know, can shoot the ball here. So I think it's, it's a little bit different than maybe what um, Brooklyn went through. Um, this was after I was there when Billy King was let go, I think in January, and, and their assistant Frank Zanin took over, where basically Frank had the handcuffs for, for, um, until the next GM came into place here. That, um, you know, how much power does the, is, is Scott just kind of keeping a, a seat warm here? Or, or does he have the full autonomy to go out and make a deal if it's something that, you know, as I said, can help the organization? What were your interactions like with Scott Layden back in the day? I thought Scott is straight laced, professional, buttoned up. Uh, you know, certainly has um, you know comes from a strong pedigree with his dad. Um, and yeah, I have uh, you know I, I knew Scott when I worked in New Jersey, and he was in New York, and then he was in San Antonio. So yeah, I think I think Scott, Scott is you know is as professional as it gets. It's just now you know we're in the probably. 
This is probably not what Scott Layton had signed up for two and a half years ago <laughs> when no. he took the job. When he came from, I think he was in San Antonio at the time. He was. was in a good role. Was in was in a good role at the time. Um, but I, as I say, there's only one in thirty of these GM jobs out there. Uh, I understand why he went. In, you know, certainly with Tom having complete complete authority here. So um, it's not an easy position. You know, not just for 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 uh, for Scott, but. Yeah, you got Noah Kroom, their assistant uh, GM. You've got a lot of people who were brought in by Tibbs, who are really not sure as far as what their you know what their future is going to be. I mean, it's also an interesting time for Ryan Saunders. I mean, deep down, you know, you think about his dad smiling down from from heaven. I mean, I talked to him today. His mom, you know, was at his house late last night, just wanted to give him a hug. So, you know, from that standpoint, there's some jubilation. You know, a very emotional time. But heck, outside of coaching in summer league a couple summers ago. And I think Tyus Jones, did they win the Summer League maybe even? Or came close? Tyus Jones was the MVP <laughs> that Summer League. But it's still it's Summer League, right, Bobby? I mean, Ryan has never been a head coach. And all of a sudden, he needs to figure out starting on Tuesday night, you know, when to substitute guys, when to use timeouts, to draw up plays. I mean, there's so much that goes into being a head coach. I mean, how interesting of a time is it right now for Ryan Saunders? Oh, he's, it's like he's interviewing for a job with, on the treadmill, and it's going 8.0, not 3.7. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's full speed, and you know, basically, what's going to happen is is that Ryan's going to, you know, we're going to throw Ryan into the deep end starting tomorrow night, and we're going to see if he can sink or swim. You know, with this group here, I think the benefit is that you do have a franchise player in Carl. Um, you know, I thought Andrew has certainly played a lot better. You know, as of recent, I thought he's been a little bit more aggressive here, and you've got a veteran group here that can kind of can guide you. It's not like you're walking in with, you know, a Cleveland situation where you have, you know, a bunch of 21 and 22-year-olds and there's a talent deficiency here. I think with Teague and Taj, uh, certainly with Derek, there are some veterans here that can can get you through it when when things become a little bit choppy here. But, yeah, this is... This is probably not the situation that Ryan Saunders thought he was going to be when this Laker game started on, on Sunday, that, you know, five hours later that he'd be the, you know, the guy in charge here. So I'm sure his head's spinning here. Um, and, you know, but as I said, the benefit is that they do have some veterans you know, that can kind of, you know, lead, you know, help him out here. Bobby, one headline from our media session on Monday today with the Wolves was it was from Derrick Rose who said Ryan during practice stressed that he wants to play faster, that that they want to pick up pace. They want to play at a much faster pace. Now, I mean, it sounds great on the surface. Uh, How easy is that to accomplish? How hard is that to accomplish? I mean, just to say all of a sudden, you know, Tuesday against Oklahoma City, Friday against Dallas, Saturday against New Orleans, that Ryan wants the Wolves to play at a faster pace. I think there's a way to do it. Um, I think if, you know, playing at a faster pace doesn't mean always you're going to play better. I saw it last year with Brooklyn. I watched them a ton where they played at a faster pace. But what happened is they took a lot of bad shots and it, it really hurt their transition D. So I think there's, you know, if there's an opportunity to get out and run, I think, then that's maybe what Minnesota can, can go out and do here. But I don't know if we're going to be expecting to see the, you know, the 90 version of UNLV. Or you know one of those run and gun teams, especially when you have a when you have a dominant five here in Carl, um, where I, I think the goal certainly would be that you've got to play through Carl right now. Um, you know, certainly the way he's played. I mean, he's at an All NBA level. So I think if there's opportunities, to, if you can get up and down, I think certainly off misses here, you take advantage of it. But as I said, it's not just because you play fast doesn't always present the you know the best uh, you know the best solution. What do you make of Andy Greer also losing his job 
on Sunday, yet his brother Larry Greer is still on the staff. Yeah, usually, you know, when you when you when you make a coaching staff change, there are one or two that are going to go. They, you know, sometimes it's the feeling that they're more allies um, to that head coach. Um, but it is interesting that one brother was let go and the other brother stayed. <laughs> so um, I don't know how to make of that. Um, but usually, yeah, usually, I mean, did Ed, I think, did Ed Pickney get let go too? Did I see no, that? No, unless uh, it happened no, in the last there? hour or so. Oh, okay. I saw yeah. Ed on the practice court today. And you know what? If you're Ed, I mean, should you feel slighted? I mean, Ed has paid his dues plenty, yet all signs always pointed to if a change was going to happen in season that Ryan Saunders would be the interim head coach, not Ed Pinkney. Yeah, I, I don't know about slighted. Um, I, I, I think it probably gives you, you know, it certainly doesn't make you feel great. Just you know, And, and Ed's been around a lot as a player, and he's been in the league as an, an assistant coach as far as when is – when is my opportunity going to come if it's not going to be here when I, when the head coach is let go and I can't slide into that interim? Um, but I think, you know, from what I know of Ed is that he is a team player and that he will give his full support to, um, you know, to, to Ryan as well as, you know, what's left of this coaching staff. Do you think it makes sense? It sounds like they will bring in some sort of veteran assistant. Does that make logical sense? Somebody that maybe Ryan knows from his past? I mean, I guarantee it'll be somebody that that was close to flip just to help Ryan navigate the waters. I think it would be. I mean, I I, I wouldn't mind seeing Frank Vogel there. I mean, I think that would be the perfect name. You know, he's certainly out of a job after being in Orlando and then, you know, having a defensive mentality with those good pacer teams here. Um, but I would think, yeah, I think you do have to bring in a veteran um, to kind of you know solidify that that bench here. Now that. Um, you know, with Tibbs not there, um, with uh, one of your other assistants being let go here, now you have an you, know, you have an opening here. So it will be interesting. But if I am if I am Ryan, and you, I kind of I think you got to get through the Oklahoma City game, see where you are, and if that's where you have to go. But I would I would certainly have a conversation with with, uh, with with Frank Vogel if he has interest in in you know coming on for the next you know four or five months here. Do you? I'm putting you on the spot a little bit, but are you aware of what the Wolves cap situation is? Right now, after they made the move on Sunday, letting James Nunnally go. Yeah, I mean they're right at. I think they're right at three point six million under the uh, under the tax here. Um, you know, the, you ate up a little bit of money with James. You know, today was the guarantee date for uh, players that have had partial or um, you know non guaranteed contracts here. So um, you open up, uh, yeah, three point seven. You're under the tax. You Nunnally costs you about six hundred fifty five k, and you open up a roster spot. So there are there is some flexibility. Um, below the luxury tax to go out and, you know, either add a player, either a 10-day or if there's something that makes sense um, for, you know, for the rest of the season and to stay uh, and to stay under the tax. Any names out there float your boat? I mean, maybe from a wing standpoint with Robert Covington out for at least a few more weeks? Well, it'll be interesting. You know, Chicago let go Marshawn Brooks today. Um, you know, he would be an interest, I think. You know, but it's not really a defensive player, kind of a guy that can kind of give you some scoring. So I think if you need some some bench support there, that he would be a guy that I certainly not for the rest of the season, but you know, on a you know on a on a ten day uh, ten day contract here. So we'll see if you know who's on the waiver wire. I think. I saw. I was in Cleveland over the weekend. I saw Patrick McCall play. Uh, I know Cleveland waived him. Uh, I would be hesitant on on bringing McCall in just because I don't think he's ready to play right now. I, I really don't. You know, he hadn't played since the end of the season last year, and they pro- and, and he played in three games in Cleveland, and I just felt he was real rusty to kind of come in and give you some type of impact. Um, you know, right now. And if a team does claim him, 
Is it an automatic $3 million cap hit? It is. You know, once the player is waived, uh, because the guaranteed deadline is uh, Wednesday at, you know, 5 o'clock, they claim a guaranteed contract. So if your team like Washington that has a trade exception that, hey, Patrick McCall sounds great, that's an, that's an $8 million investment. You know, the $3 million on salary and then another additional $5 million in luxury tax payment. So there's a handful of teams out there that have um, a trade exception or, you know, Sacramento's got some cap space. But, you know, you have to have the roster spot to clear, you know, to have um, to be able to, to claim him here. And I, I have a feeling that McCall will go unclaimed here and will probably be looking for, uh, you know, maybe a rest of the season or even a 10-day. Even a I'll let you go in a few more minutes. Can you just tell us a little bit more about Derrick Rose and how he has no trade rights? Yeah, so he's got, um, you know, he was signed last year, um, and then he was signed to another contract this, uh, this, this past year. So he's playing on a one-year contract that will have him earn early bird rights for uh, 2019-20 when he becomes a free agent. Um, if Rose, which means is that he can sign for 175% of his salary or up to the you know, the, the average player salary, which is, you know, right around $9 million. Um, if Rose um, is on the – or if there's a trade in place and Rose um, gives permission to be moved, he loses those early bird rights. So basically the team acquiring him um, can only sign him for one of, their, one of the exceptions that you have, either the mid-level or the biannual. I don't see how that com- you know, coming into play would really – if there's a, a deal out there that makes sense for Derek – well, you know, if it's a playoff team, I could see him waving that 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 restriction there and and, and being and being moved. I read the comments today. I know he owes a lot to the organization as well as Tibbs, but I think a lot of it will determine where this team is, you know, three or four weeks from now. And is the max the Wolves can offer him in the summer if they don't end up trading him and he's here and they try to play this thing out and try to re-sign him in July? Is it four years at about nine million per year? Can they only offer him four, not five years? Yep, they're right at four because he's got early bird rights, so it's it's probably right around four years, thirty, thirty five, thirty six million. I don't think he's in that ballpark, but I think I don't think he's a minimum guy anymore. I think he's kind of proved that you know, kind of got that stigma off him here. Um, but I don't know if how much are you willing to invest long term with uh, you know certainly with Derek, but. He's having one heck of a year, and he's kind of really, um, you know, rejuvenated his career. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, Bobby. I mean, he's such a fascinating case study, right? I mean, you can make a case. Heck, you can make a case. Now, he's hurt right now, so he's dealing with yet another injury. But, heck, you can make a case. He's playing at an all-star level, you know, most improved player, sixth man of the year. But with his injury history, with him starting to get into his 30s, if you sign him to a long-term deal, you know, it's it's that balancing act of what would you give him in free agency? Is he worth 9 or $10 million a year? I, I don't think he is. I mean, I think he's probably more worth, you know, maybe four or five, maybe half of that. And, you know, it's funny. Well, before he went on that, that, that game where he scored, you know, 50-plus, you know, there was a stretch where, you know, I you know, keep notes on these guys where I wrote, I didn't think Derrick Rose belonged in the NBA uh, because he had played so poorly. And then he, you know, he really took off, um, you know, with that, you know, that 50-plus game, and he's played so great here. So I, I would be just cautious as far as committing big money, not not signing Derrick Rose, but just committing big money for a player that's, you know, certainly has battled a lot of injuries here. Um, I think it has to be the right fit. It certainly has to be the right fit on who your who your coach is going to be. Another interesting case study is Jeff Teague. Have you heard any Jeff Teague trade buzz and? He's got that player option for $19 million for next season. I mean, I can't imagine 
anybody on the open market paying him $19 million a year. So if he wants $19 million for 2019, 2020, you know, I would think he would he would exercise the option and remain with the Wolves. But if he's looking for a little bit more long-term stability, depending on who the next coach is here, you know, maybe he'd want to play for somebody in particular. I mean, I'm curious to see how the Jeff Teague situation plays out. I would expect him to opt into that contract. That's a big number. I know that the cap goes up a little bit this summer, and we do have a little more teams um, that will have room here. But it's hard to commit $19 million. Even if Jeff Teague went out and got a three-year, $36 million contract, well, he's already behind the eight ball. You know, basically it would take him two years to earn back what he's, you know, for the, for this for the next year. Um, but, yeah, I think a lot of it will determine as far as who the next coach is. But I would think that, you know, opting out of that, you, know, you always want to have a, a home to go to. Um, opting out of $19 million is, is a big number to do so. So, yeah, I think I think uh, the expectation would be that Jeff is back. We'll see, you know, where, where he is as far as, you know, once we get through the, get through the summer. How well have you gotten to know Chauncey Billups, and do you think Chauncey would make some sense to run the basketball operations side here? I think Chauncey Billups is, is one of the smarter, you know, people in the media side, uh, former player. Uh, you know, we did the draft together, um, you know, and, and spent some time with him here. And I know he would be an interesting candidate here and, and is, is not just that former player that you're throwing in there and he'll figure it out on his own. Um, you know, I know he has studied teams, you know, how teams have been built. I think you probably have to have somebody who's good with, um, you know, the cap. I think I think it's important to surround yourself with the right people, um, but I think Chauncey would be um, I think Chauncey would be a fascinating name if if that's what he wants to do. You know, he's got you know as I say when we're in the media side here, we don't you know I I get to go to bed tonight not worrying about wins and losses here. So <laughs> there's a reason why Jeff Van Gundy or John Gruden you know stayed in there for for so long here because when you get when you when you want to go to the NBA side. It's a grind. I don't care how much money you're making, but um, but I think Chauncey would be uh, certainly a fascinating name. And does that, I mean, does the traditional model make sense to you that, you know, I guess in recent time, I mean, follow what the Detroit Pistons did, for example, bringing in Ed Stefanski, then Ed helps hire Dwayne Casey whenever that was, late April, early May. Would that make sense to you to bring in somebody like a Chauncey or somebody else to run the basketball operations then allow that individual to lead a, a coaching search. Yes, I think it's 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 hard to do it reverse. Um, we did it in in in, uh, in Brooklyn or New Jersey where uh, Rod Thorne was going was on his way out, hired Avery Johnson, and then the GM was hired after that. And Avery was only there for two and a half years. So I think it's important that whoever is the head co- or the general manager in Minnesota. You know, hot is the person who is doing the hiring as far as the, if it's retaining um, Ryan, or if it's um, or if it's you know hiring somebody from the outside and not walking into an already made situation. I'll let you go after this. How busy do you think the trade deadline will be, including the Wolves, but but across the league? I mean, do you anticipate an active trade deadline? I think yes, and I think there, the standings are going to dictate a lot of it. Um, I think teams like Orlando, you know, has, who has not played great. What happens with Terrence Ross and Nikola Vucevic, guys like that. Um, Dallas with, you know, DeAndre Jordan, Wes Matthews. But there's so many teams that are bunched up right now that teams are kind of in a little bit of a holding pattern. Does Memphis kind of flip, flip uh, Justin Holiday again if they continue to lose? Um, I think there are teams that, like the Lakers and the, the Clippers, Brooklyn certainly, 
have put a high emphasis on cap space for the summer of 2019, where they're not willing to take back long-term contracts here. So, you know, we always see, you know, teams we saw today, the Carter Williams trade, Michael Carter Williams trade from Houston to Chicago, because it's a, it's a, it's a financial decision. Um, so I think we're probably going to see more, you know, we're going to see a split of basketball and financial decisions when we get close to, um, you know, February 7th. The question is, is there a, is there a Blake Griffin type deal out there waiting in the wings like we saw at the end of January from last year? And right now it's, that's, that's hard to say. I'll leave you after this. I lied. I'm looking at the Western Conference playoff standings. I mean, outside of Utah in the ninth spot, I mean, do you think any of these teams can really jump up? I mean, whether it's Sacramento, the Wolves, Memphis, Dallas, I guess New Orleans is sort of still lingering. But then you look at the top eight, Denver, Golden State, Oklahoma City, the Clippers, Houston, San Antonio, Portland, and the Lakers. I mean, unless LeBron is out long term, and I don't think he's going to be out long term, I'm not quite sure I see one of those eight teams dropping off. It's going to be hard. I mean, you're, you're basically going to have to have a team go on a four or five game winning streak. And then you're going through the juggernaut every every night of, you know, basically, you know, if you're in Minnesota, you know, you, one night you're going to get Portland and then the following night you're going to get San Antonio. You know, you're not getting Cleveland and or Orlando or Charlotte or, you know, some of these lesser teams out uh, in the Eastern Conference here. And it's, it's, it's hard, you know, look at Memphis. They've lost five in a row and a team that was top four a month ago or now, you know, three and a half or two and a half out of the out of the eight spot here. So I just look at it that um, trying to string together three or four wins for some of these teams that are outside the playoff chase is a hard thing to do here. And I think you are you are starting to see a little bit of separation here where now Utah has jumped to nine. They're they've got a you know they, they've had twenty four out of their forty games um, on the road. Um, so you know, but now the question will be if it's Utah, who who falls out? You know, who is it? The Lakers, is it Portland? Maybe Clippers kind of fall back to fall back to earth a little bit here. So yeah, I do. I do think it would be a hard argument to make for teams like Sacramento and Minnesota, even New Orleans, to try to to jump in that top eight. Maybe the Spurs. Are you convinced the Spurs are as good as what we've seen the last few weeks? Well, I mean, they were what thirteen and fourteen. Um, you know, fourteen or fifteen games ago, and now they've gone on a great. I mean, they're you know they've won eight out of ten. Um, you know, they, and they're doing with, you know, I know you've got DeMar and you've got LaMarcus, but you've got a, basically a backcourt of Brent Forbes and Derek White. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's amazing that they continue to churn out player development one-on-one, as I call it, in, in San Antonio and the role players, the non-drafted players continue to, continue to step up. So, yeah, I mean, that's a team that can hit a dry spell, certainly, if, if all their guys, guys are not playing at, you know, at an A level here. So if there is one team that maybe does fall out, you know, certainly could be San Antonio. Bobby, you're always so gracious with your time. Happy New Year, and I appreciate you doing this. Uh, I appreciate it. Happy New Year to you. Former Nets front office executive, one-time assistant general manager, now ESPN analyst, Bobby Marks. We were supposed to talk to George Carl, former NBA head coach, one of the all-time winningest coaches in NBA history. He's been on this podcast a number of times, but he had to tap out. He is under the weather, got sick as the day went on, so it looks like we'll connect with him later in the week. Also, I believe I saw the note that when he first became a head coach, he was the same age as Ryan, or right around 32 or 33. So it would be great to get some knowledge from George Carl. So we'll do that on a future Scoop podcast. As far as tracking down Glenn Taylor, yes, that will eventually happen. He has gone underground for a bit, though. He did talk to the Pioneer Press, did talk to the newspaper he owns, the Star Tribune. As far as I know, he has not done any other, at least on the record, interviews. He's still in Florida. 
He has a residence in Florida for at least a few more days. So I'm thinking when he gets back to Mankato at some point, it might be next week or the week after or closer to the trade deadline or maybe even after the trade deadline. But at some point, we'll have owner Glenn Taylor back on the podcast. But just reaching out to some people close to him, I know that it wasn't going to happen today, Monday, the 7th of January, as I sit here and record episode 100. And 94, a bit more on the firing of Tom Thibodeau, brought it up at different points, alluded to it with Bobby Marks. I mean, undoubtedly, this has been in the works for at least a while, little while. I mean, this isn't something that just came to fruition on Saturday or Sunday morning or Sunday afternoon. I mean, there was a clear disconnect business side and basketball side. You talk about the renewal of season tickets, those renewal forms go out at some point here the month of January. You think about renewing corporate sponsorships and looking for new business. The business side just had a sense from all their intel, all the research that they've done, that as long as Tom Thibodeau was in charge, that was going to impact the bottom line. And certainly Ethan Casson, the CEO, had his fingerprints all over the firing of Tom Thibodeau and him and Glenn Taylor are very close. It does look like Ryan Saunders will eventually bring in a veteran assistant to help him with the Andy Greer opening. Two names I've heard, Randy Whitman and Jerry Seesting. Now, those two names have been talked about, but nothing is imminent. As I sit here on Monday, late afternoon, early evening, recording this, nothing is imminent. So Ryan will coach for the foreseeable future with the current staff in place. But maybe it's a week, two weeks, three weeks from now. The expectation is eventually they add somebody, and it could be a different name, but those are two names Seesting and Whitman to keep an eye on. Also on the Wolves front, it doesn't sound like any trade is remotely close. It doesn't sound like Scott Layden is far down the road on any sort of trade. I had the news on Twitter over the weekend about them waving James Nunnally. So the Wolves do have an open roster spot. Scott Layden, Brian Pauga, Noah Kroom from the front office were at the recent G League showcase in Vegas, so it's possible they look at the G League since that front office hierarchy all got recent looks at all of the best players in the G League. The Wolves had recent scouts check out Kansas, Iowa State, Indiana, and Murray State. Yes, Murray State has a point guard who is a likely top five pick, and we talk about the uncertainty moving forward, at least long term, of the point guard position with the Wolves, although, as Bobby Mark said, $19 million might be really hard for Jeff Teague to turn down for next season. But Tyus Jones isn't signed long-term. Derrick Rose is a free agent. So you could argue that point guard is definitely a position that they should be looking at long-term. Although, at this point, is Scott Layden even here to make a draft pick in June? I mean, that is the slippery slope. I mean, many could argue that Scott is dead man walking. Nothing is imminent on that front. But I can promise you that relieving Scott of his duties is something that internally has come up. Now, if the Wolves make the playoffs, if they surprise us, if they make the playoffs, maybe Scott can stick. But Scott and Tom were attached at the hip in so many different ways that it's just really hard. And this isn't just me talking. This is a lot of smart NBA folks that I've texted with over the last 24 hours. Just a lot of people. Not one person has told me, yeah, I can see Scott sticking there. Everybody thinks that the writing is on the wall for the Wolves to eventually blow up Scott Layden. Let me give some love to my bookie, mybookie.com, M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E.com, mybookie.com. You play, you win, you get paid. It's another great week of sports action, NBA games, NHL games galore, college basketball, 
You've got the greatest weekend, at least in my opinion, for the NFL playoffs with the divisional round games Saturday and Sunday. It's my favorite NFL weekend with the games Saturday, multiple games two, and two on Sunday. So if you have a strong opinion on a game this week, next week, remember you play, you win. You get paid, mybookie, mybookie.com. Use the promo code when you sign up, SCOOP. Use the promo code SCOOP. You get all sorts of cool benefits tossed your way. MyBookie has a great reputation. Just go to Google, type in mybookie, mybookie.com reviews. You'll see glowing reviews. They've survived for a long time in a competitive marketplace because they do things right they do things swiftly. You play, you win, you get paid. It is my bookie, mybookie.com. All right, let me unleash some notes. A busy Monday here in the Twin City sports world. On the Vikings front, Kevin Stefanski's contract expires technically on Tuesday, the 8th of January. Had one Vikings official on Monday tell me that he believes that Stefanski will be back with the Vikings. Here's what I know for sure. Somebody close to Kevin told me his family loves it here. He loves living here. They've been here since 2006. This is home for the Stefanski family. He really, really enjoys the Twin Cities. He sees a future with the Vikings. He's enjoyed his interactions with Mike Zimmer with others, even though Zimmer is a really hard individual to read. Now, there are other teams interested in Kevin. And Kevin has a really savvy agent in Jimmy Sexton. So Jimmy can play the leverage game. And I don't think that Kevin has told Jimmy, hey, it's Vikings or bust. I think there is an open mind depending on what is offered to him. So nothing is final on the Stefanski side. I do get the sense that the Vikings still are interested in bringing back Stefanski, but they need to plant some other seeds. Now on Hugh Jackson, I'll continue to say that I will be incredibly surprised, very surprised if Hugh Jackson is the Vikings' next play caller. I've been told by numerous people that it's just not going to happen. But Mike and Hugh talk regularly. So could things change potentially on that front? I guess never say never. But I'll continue to say I would be surprised if the new OC is Hugh Jackson. There's been the report about Mike Malarkey. I would be mildly surprised if it's Malarkey. The Dirk Cutter steam picked up on Monday. Yes, that is definitely a name on the Vikings radar. But I'll continue to keep an eye on Stefanski until we hear that Stefanski is leaving. And I can just tell you, as I sit here and record this on Monday early evening now, I've not been told that Stefanski has told the Vikings that he is leaving. So until I hear that, my inclination is to say the two sides might be able to figure something out, come to a happy medium because the Stefanski family likes it here, because Kevin feels like the Vikings are family, that the Vikings can find a way to retain Kevin Stefanski. The other hot offensive coordinator news here in the Twin Cities is Kirk Sharaka of the Gophers. Is he leaving for West Virginia or will he stay with the Gophers? Here's what I understand from sources that have knowledge of the situation. Neil Brown is the new West Virginia coach. Neil and Kirk Sharaka go back to their days together in Delaware. They have maintained a very close relationship over the years. In fact, I'm told that Sharaka had some offensive Gophers players in his two years here. Take a look at Troy Film. That's where Neil Brown came from. He got the job at West Virginia after being at Troy. I also know that Sharaka and P.J. Fleck have a really close relationship that some schools, including Auburn, had some interest in Sharaka after the 13-win Western Michigan season. Sharaka said no to all of them, and he came here to Minnesota with P.J. Fleck. I also know that Fleck reached out to some Gophers players on Saturday, telling them that there was a chance 
that Chiraca will be leaving for West Virginia. As of Monday early evening, I've not been told that Chiraca has told West Virginia yes. Now, the West Virginia 24-7 website says it's just about a done deal, that it is going to happen, Kirk Chiraca to West Virginia, which is entirely possible. I'm just telling you, I've not heard it's a completely done deal as of Monday early evening, but it's definitely not fake news. I had somebody tweet me and say, hey, is this fake news? No. P.J. Fleck reached out to some Gophers players on Saturday saying, hey, there is the possibility that Chiraca will leave for West Virginia. So we'll just have to wait and see what Chiraca ultimately decides but there is definitely a possibility that he is leaving if he does my own personal opinion wide receivers coach matt simon from farmington makes all sorts of sense to be elevated another football note jake wenicky i had the note on episode 193 that he was expected to sign with a team north of the border canadian football league i'm told now that team is montreal also, to let you know, Richard Patino of the Gophers saw Dawson Garcia of Prior Lake on Friday. Dawson is one of the top 25 to 35 players in the entire country in the class of 2020. Texas wants him badly. So many schools want Garcia badly, including the Gophers. On the Twins front, they have agreed to terms pending a physical, so it's not a done-done deal, but they've agreed at least verbally to terms with reliever Blake Parker. The former Angel, one-year deal worth slightly over $3 million. Falls in line with things I've been saying for a while now that the Twins were looking to sign a reliever to a one-year deal. Doesn't necessarily take them out of the mix for another reliever, but I know that the immediate worry, concern, need, want was to sign a reliever to a one-year deal. So it'll be Blake Parker, presuming he passes his physical one-year, $3.2 million. I'll be curious to see the 40-man move. Do they go position players, Zach Granite, Michael Reed? Do they go pitcher after they made the Aaron Slagers move for Nelson Cruz? Would they go another pitcher, whether that be Tyler Duffy or John Curtis? Those would be the four names to keep an eye on. On Kelvin Herrera, who signed a nice deal with the White Sox on Monday, I'm told the Twins only got as far as requesting his medical records. The Twins never showed serious interest in signing Herrera, and you know what? Great agent, great agency, a great work to get two years, $18 million from the White Sox, and with a vesting option, it could be a three-year, $27 million deal. Heck, the numbers aren't that far off comparing Blake Parker to Kelvin Herrera. You get one for $3.5 million or $3.2 million. The other may end up getting $27 million. Now, Herrera maybe has a bit more velocity, maybe a bit more upside, so I get that, but Really, you compare the two, there's not a ton of difference. So the Twins accomplished their goal, I know for sure, getting a reliever on a one-year deal. I've been asked a lot about starting pitchers. I just know that they have not reached out on Drew Pomerantz, Clay Buckholtz, some other free agent starters. Now, hey, things can change. There are still so many arms available. I still would not be surprised if one way or another, including the possibility of a trade, I would not be surprised one way or another if the Twins end up with a starting pitcher before opening day. But it doesn't seem like, at least on the free agent front, that anything is imminent. The rest of this week will be busy with the Twins signing their arbitration-eligible players to one-year deals or, who knows, maybe long-term deals. I'm told they are making good progress on Byron Buxton. As of the other day, no progress on Taylor Rogers. no progress on Trevor May. Oftentimes, these things come down to the final 48 to 72 hours. The deadline is later this week. And we saw last year the Twins went to an actual case. They went in front of the arbitrator 
on the Kyle Gibson front. They ended up winning that case. Although, hey, Kyle used it as motivation, had a really good year. The Twins and Kyle Gibson having chats this week, or Kyle Gibson's agent at least, trying to come up with a solution as Gibson is once again arbitration eligible. So far, the Twins have not shown an interest in signing Gibson to a long-term deal. On Gibson, he actually spent last week on a mission doing some charitable work. Him and his wife do great work on the charity front. And Aaron Slagers was on that trip. They were in the Dominican Republic and Haiti. And that was part of the reason why it took some time for the Twins to make the 40-man move with Aaron Slagers. They couldn't reach him. I mean, you don't get great phone service in the Dominican and Haiti. So the Twins struggled to reach Aaron Slagers to communicate to him that he was the 40-man move. So they didn't want to announce it when they did the conference call last week with Nelson Cruz. Cruz, by the way, is in for Twins Fest, but just on Sunday. He will not be here all weekend, but he will be here Sunday of Twins Fest at the end of this month. All right, that should do it. I mean, that's the pressing stuff for today. I'll be back at some point later this week, especially if I firm up George Carl or, heck, Glenn Taylor. I did text with Amani Hooker, former Park Center High School star, Iowa Hawkeye safety. Has a chance to go pretty high in the NFL draft. He declared that he is going pro. Texted with him over the weekend. So I'll track him down. I'm actually trying to track him down for TV sake, but he's not in town early this week. But I know he's back in town soon, so I may wait until I can get him on camera, but if not, maybe I'll record a phone interview with him in the very near future. So lots going on, lots to get to here on the Scoop Podcast as we continue to grind away calendar year 2019. Appreciate you listening. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the sleep number bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, My Sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.